Everything is real. I'm Natalie D. I'm Drew Toothpaste. And today we're here to talk about how spontaneous human combustion is absolutely real. Well, that's great to hear about. You know, I think I first encountered spontaneous human combustion, not in the flesh, but in reading a book called Ripley's Believe It or Not. Right. That's like a very big believe it or not kind of topic. I seem to recall running across it in like the books that they would have in the library that were like weird stuff. It was just called weird stuff. Yeah, like one of those books that are just like... <laughs> Before the internet came around, there were like junk food books, right? Back when people would read for junk food, like the worst thing you could do was read a book that was unserious. Right, right. And so they always had like, believe it or not, or like Guinness Book of World Records, or like the paranormal section in the library, where they had like all the ghost stuff and the weird stuff and the UFOs and all that stuff. Well, you know, I got my copy of Ripley's Believe It or Not at some kind of antique store because my folks were big antique heads and this stuff was real cheap like when I was a kid, mm -hmm. right? They'd root out somebody's home, get all their old books and pottery and shit out and you could go and, and buy it or bid on it or whatever, right? Somehow, I don't remember if my folks got me the book. I remember having, as a kid, I remember having a conversation with the antiques dealer and he told me I was really gonna like it. It was exactly like the beginning of Gremlins except that was it, nothing else. <laughs> right. Nothing else happened, no little animals. He took like an unusual amount of interest and giving me the book and telling me I was really going to like it. And I was like, how do you know? You don't know me. Right. But I took it home and I did like it. And it was like on about the third read through that I was like, oh, hold up. Some of these aren't real. <laughs> but I think spontaneous human combustion seems real. You think it seems real to you? Just from what I know off the dome. You know, with my gut instinct, I'm kind of on the fence with it. Like, I'm not quite sure. Like, I can spontaneously get very cold. <laughs> it is possible to reach room temperature. Right. I get real cold sometimes. And I can't imagine the series of events that would lead me to explode. Nona and I were out walking earlier, and there was a guy that jogged past us. First of all, it was about 65, 68 degrees outside. It was like a room temperature outside, this like early fall weather. You know, it'll get up into the 70s during the day and then cool off. This guy jogged past us. He's wearing a long sleeve t-shirt, some long pants, and then he was wearing a puffy vest on top mm -hmm. of his long sleeve shirt and he was wearing a winter hat. He, some people are just about the vibe, man. Some people are so excited about fall, you can't stop them. And he was jogging. Right. And Nona and I were talking about it, and then she said, well, maybe he had a fever. <laughs> maybe he did. And he couldn't get warm, and he put on all of his warm clothes, and he still couldn't get warm, so he went out jogging. Yeah, that'd be something, wouldn't it? Now, I could see him combusting, because that, that is hot. Right. I would sweat, like, if it's the winter, and I put on one of those super insulating coats i start sweating in the winter yeah it's too warm for me right so spontaneous human combustion here's what you might not know about it <laughs> spontaneous human combustion occurs when a human being bursts into flames from a chemical reaction in or on their body without an apparent external heat source so you just go up okay so it's it's only your body igniting itself, uh -huh. okay? Uh -huh. It's not like you trip and you fall on the barbecue. That would be well-established human combustion. Right. We would know what it was, right? Most combustion 
occurs when you have a heat source and a fuel that are combined with oxygen, right? Yeah. That's called a fire triangle, mm-hmm. which I know you know about because you're a chemist. But those are the three things that you need in order to get something to go up in flames. Okay. So I guess really the elephant in the room with the spontaneous human combustion is what gets that sucker hot? Right, right. So in order for spontaneous human combustion to occur, the body must endogenously heat up through internal or surface activity, right? Yeah. And then it has to sustain the combustion yeah. through melting human fat and using that like as a fuel source. That's like the only way you'd be able to do it. Oh, God. That's that's some real serial killer shit. Right. And so when you get the fat melting, then it wicks like a candle and then just whoosh, right? Right. Yeah. You know, you got some clothes on or whatever else. Clothes are going to go up fast, don't you think? I'm imagining that's how you get hot to begin with. Right. Too warm with the sweater and everything else. Ooh, I don't know. Leading up to this episode, I did some of my own research on TikTok and on YouTube. <laughs> I'm like lightly an expert. <laughs> Yeah. I haven't been convinced. Like, there's something, there's a missing element to it that I haven't put my finger on yet. Okay. But the term spontaneous human combustion was originally proposed in 1746 by a dude named Paul Rowley, who was a fellow of the Royal Society. And there was some countess who had mysteriously died, and he put forth the theory that that is what happened to her. Okay. So 1700s is when this Uh came around. Right. And so... There was a book in 1995 called Ablaze where they stated that there were approximately 200 known reports of spontaneous human combustion in in history. And I know from watching YouTube that the first instance that we have record of of spontaneous human combustion was in the 1400s. Really? Yeah. It was just some old medieval dude and he... He was out drinking with his friends and they were like going home and he just went up. So he had something that a lot of these people don't have, which is... Witnesses. And he just went up and everybody saw him catch on fire Uh on his own. Right. Now, this seems unusual. Yeah, it does. Doesn't it? (laughs) The thing with spontaneous human combustion, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that classically, the whole thing that's strange about it is that the people go up in flame and they burn and it's like they disintegrate and it's like nothing else is even affected. Right. It's just their body and like as soon as their body is gone, the fire's out. And I've seen that there's spontaneous human combustion cases where like somebody will go up and it'll look like if you kill a vampire in Castlevania, there'll be a little pile of ashes, but then their legs will still be stuck in their shoes. Right. Just like sitting at the foot of the chair and the chair is a little scorched and it has ash on it. And that's it. Well, yeah. And the other thing that is interesting with these cases is that when these people catch on fire they just chill like if you caught on fire you would jump up and you'd be like oh no and you run around I trying abs- to get the fire you'd stop drop and roll you'd run to the kitchen and try to get some water on you you'd make a mess you'd make I a real mess i absolutely would i absolutely would dripping human fat all over my floors <laughs> It would not get to the dripping human fat because at any <laughs> at any point in this house, I am like close enough to a bathtub sink. Right, I would spit shower. on shower. Yeah, <laughs> jug of milk, open up the milk, dump it all over myself. Right, right. So that's like another interesting thing. And so the implication then with the fact that people do not respond to being caught on fire by running like a bitch. <laughs> You know, makes you wonder, like, did they die before the fire got to the outside? I mean, that that seems 
like that could be a possibility. Now, in doing your independent academic research of watching YouTube, there was the guy that a guy said caught on fire and he wasn't even dead yet. Oh yeah, there was the one guy on YouTube who they interviewed him. It was some guy in Vermont. Did, you, did we watch the same YouTube video? There's no, some... I haven't. Wa- I have not watched any YouTubes on I human have. combustion. <laughs> It was like a clip from some show from like a long time ago. And it was some guy from Vermont who said he was chilling out with his buddy Pete. And they were just chilling on the couch like bros do. And then he caught on fire and he was just sitting there as his bud. And Pete was like, yeah, man, he was tripping balls and he was on fire, but we got it out. But he wasn't smoking cigarettes. He wasn't doing anything that would have caused him to catch on fire. Tell me about some more spontaneous human combustion. Because I feel like I have a very vague picture. I'd like to know exactly how it's gone down. Like I have a very vague mental picture. Maybe you can paint a better picture for me. Okay, so spontaneous human combustion is noted in medical records as early as the 17th century. Okay. In the medical literature, they say that the human remains are charred and almost completely consumed. Occasionally, there'll be an arm or a leg that does not get scorched, but the body is usually totally consumed. And their environment, like the room around them, is not burnt mm-hmm. up. Yeah. So if you were sitting there on the couch, there might be a scorched spot on the couch where you were sitting, but... Like, the carpet doesn't catch on fire. The walls around you don't catch on fire. Like, the soundproofing in the studio isn't going to catch on fire. It would just be you. And as soon as you were gone, it's done. In 1663, there was a woman in Paris who was found to have burnt in her apartment or her home, right? She was on a straw mattress, and she burnt up and left a scorch mark, but the straw mattress didn't even catch on fire. Really? Right. And straw, you would think, would be pretty classically flammable. Right, you would think so. So it seems like whatever is happening, it is coming from inside the person and working its way out. Because if it happened from the outside, then the other stuff around them would catch on fire. The straw would have caught on fire before the person that's full of water. Right. And like, if you think about cooking a steak, like you can't just put a lighter on it and hold it there and then have the steak catch on fire. It is like a slower process than that. Well, so there's a concept. We talked about the fire triangle before. You need fuel, heat, and oxygen. There's a concept of a vapor pressure. Mm-hmm. So you could get a candle type effect out of a steak. What you would have to do is hold a flame to the fat on the steak until the fat starts to melt. And then after the fat kind of denatures from its solid form and enters the liquid state, then it has what's called a vapor pressure. A vapor pressure means there is going to be a certain component of the air right next to the liquid component of the fat that is going to have a certain amount of gaseous fat. In other words, anytime you have liquid, you have an open kiddie pool right above the pool, and this is a known quantity. In other words, you know what the vapor pressure of water is at whatever air pressure and whatever temperature, right? Right, right. And this tells you how much water vapor will be in the air next to it, and it can tell you things like the evaporation rate. So if you have that state, you've got that liquid, and there's a certain amount of fat that will volatilize, it will evaporate from the liquid phase of the fat on the steak, and that is actually what combusts. Uh It has to be in the gaseous phase to combust. That's why you need the heat source. Right. The liquid fat goes into its gaseous form, and then that's when it combines with oxygen and the reaction sustains itself. Right. And it sustains itself by generating heat once it ignites. Okay. So once you 
begin the combustion reaction, it continues to burn. And just like you said, the wick effect, like with a candle, you've got that solid phase of the wax. Typically, you've got beeswax or you have paraffin, which is an oil product. Uh -huh. The solid phase of that has a very, very, very low vapor pressure. In other words, you can have a candle in the air and the candle will not evaporate. Right. But if you start melting the wax, what happens is you have a very small point at the top in the wick where you light the wick on fire and the little tiny amount of wax that's in the tip of the wick that has sort of absorbed up into it, mm -hmm. that goes into the gaseous phase and that starts to combust. When that combusts, that creates heat, which sustains the candle burning. Right. And so you have the capillary effect. Once you melt that little puddle of wax on top of the candle, you have the capillary effect, and it goes up into the wick where it evaporates into gas and then is burned. Right. So if you were to have a reaction with a person, you'd have to have something volatile. Right. In 1885, there was a woman by the name of Matilda Rooney who was found completely incinerated except for her feet in the kitchen of her house. Her husband was found dead in another room of the house, and the people who investigated it said that he had died from the fumes of this woman igniting, right? Yeah. They found no source of ignition in the room, and nothing in the kitchen or in any other room was damaged by the combustion of this woman. So she combusted, and she basically, is she gone now? Yeah. She just burnt, well, yeah, 1800, she's gone now. But Completely incinerated, except for her feet. And when she burned, it was so nasty that her husband died of the smoke inhalation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what was he doing? Was he just asleep and he yeah. just inhaled the smoke and died? People die of smoke inhalation when they're sleeping all the time. That is, like, not uncommon. There's something really interesting about that guy. Like, smelling smoke in your sleep is one of the things. It's like smelling salts. It jolts you awake. Mm -hmm. If you smelled smoke in your sleep, you would sit straight up in bed. I mean, unless you had something else going on or you were unconscious or dead right, or, right. you know. It's possible that would be the case. I've just heard so many stories of people dying of smoke inhalation that... Oh, yeah, it's possible, sure. But the main case that I heard about looking on YouTube and TikTok <laughs> was the 1951 case of Mary Reeser, who was burnt to death in her house. She was chilling in her place, and it was like 5 o'clock in the morning, and her landlord is out doing stuff outside, and he could smell smoke. And he's like, eh, whatever, right? He comes back around three or four hours later, and he's smells smoking again he's like i don't know what's going on he goes to touch the doorknob of her house and the doorknob is so hot he can't touch it and so he got the authorities to come in and they got in the house somehow and they found that she was completely burnt to ash with just the one leg remaining a detail that is not in the notes but was in my videos i was watching was that her skull shrank into a teeny little tiny tiny skull her skull shrank into a smaller skull uh -huh. little teeny <laughs> tiny well i mean <laughs> i mean i could see that happening you know there's the the idea of shrunken heads which are real in some capacity i think shrunken heads though they take all the flesh off the head like uh, yeah like a taxidermy type situation. And then they turn the, the head meat into a head bag and then they shrink the head bag. The skull is not involved in it at all. Okay, well, I can't explain the skull, but that may be why the GBU research team did not include that in our notes. That may not... <laughs> the little teeny skull. That may not have been substantiated. Th that was part of the thing when I was watching the videos. It gave me pause. Because usually, like, if someone... 
like Pompeii, like when they had all the people who died in Pompeii, their skulls didn't turn into teeny little tiny, teeny skulls. No, and it's just, this is just endemic to TikTok, (laughs) which is that nothing on it is true. And if, (laughs) if you were conspiracy minded, which you're not, which I'm not either, who would believe that, you know, parties with unlimited power, money and influence might try to change the minds of Americans, what a silly idea. If you were conspiracy-minded, you might think that all of this is a ploy by the owners to influence the American populace, particularly those who don't read and aren't smart. Right, right. But also, everything is real, so I have to consult TikTok, too. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Let's see what the real Joe on the street thinks about it. (laughs) There was a case in 1970 of a woman named Margaret Hogan who was completely burnt down to crap, except for her legs below the knees, which were undamaged. And the authorities said that it was unknown what caused the fire. The rest of the house was untouched except for plastic flowers and the screens of the nearby television that were melted from the heat of the combustion. Something that seems so unusual is that there will be just a small number of objects that get mildly damaged. Right. But if you were to believe the account of that lady's landlord, the other Mary Reeser's landlord, who said the doorknob was hot, the heat would have been extreme and it would have persisted in the house. Right. So if it was hot enough to melt the television screen, I mean, that would be pretty hot. There's a lot of radiant heat coming off of that, but the average human has a lot of fat. Right. If you're talking about you're melting that fat out. It is just so mysterious because the heat you would need in order to totally combust a human body is thousands and thousands and thousands of degrees. I don't understand how it would get hot enough to burn the entirety of a human body, which like I said, it should take thousands of degrees and it should take hours to do it. Like when you cremate a body, it doesn't just go up in five minutes. It is like a two hour process, right? And so I don't understand how these bodies are so hot, but they're not burning through the seat they're sitting in. If you put something that was 3,000 degrees on a couch, you would shoot through the couch and go through the floor. Yeah, I mean, our couch is from Ikea. This sucker's got like one minute tops. Right, right. One minute tops of a burning guy. And if you have a nice couch, like in if it's like the 50s or something, and you have some old couch, it's probably made with kiln-dried wood. That's going to burn too. Yeah. I have a couple theories on why a body might be able to burn. There are a couple unusual things that can happen with the human body, chemically. Right. One of them, and you can see this if you go to the Mutter Museum in Philadelphia, is a process called saponification. Mm-hmm. Now this probably takes place over a longer time scale. But something that can happen when the chemical environment is right, I don't know what that environment would be externally, whether it's a certain amount of moisture. I don't know if there's some, you know, the person has to be exposed to one thing or another, or they have to have eaten something, or they have perhaps some kind of problem in their body with their their pH or their, you know, something weird happening with their blood. But anyway, the idea is that all of their fat in their body turns to fatty acid salts. In other words, soap. Mm -hmm. This is called saponification. So we know that there are processes 
that cause the fat in the human body to degrade or to change form. Right. And in fact, the body is still, at least the last time I was there in the Mudder Museum, was there. And you can see it's not in the best shape because the person has been converted to soap. Right. But it looks vaguely like a person. Right. Another thing that comes to mind is, you know, I've spent a lot of time on bodybuilding forums and reading journal articles about metabolism and, uh, you know, ways to induce hypertrophy. Sure. Ways to optimize your calorie partitioning so you're burning fat you don't need and you're using your calories to power your brain and build muscle, which is what you want. And one of the things I ran across was this compound called dinitrophenol. It's called DNP. Mm -hmm. It is this yellow crystalline compound. What it does when you take it is it decouples part of the process involving ATP, right. which is adenosine triphosphate. This is what your muscles use for energy. Well, the problem is when you start decoupling the energy needed in this reaction, your body doubles or triples or, you know, maybe uses even more than triple the amount of metabolic energy you would typically need. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're somebody who is trying to lose weight and you don't care if you do it in an unhealthy way, mm -hmm. this ramps up your metabolism and it doesn't matter how much you eat. You cannot do very much work. You certainly can't do cardio or very much lifting at all. But when your body is in this, this oxidative state, you just drop weight like crazy. You have to drink immense amounts of water. But the reason why you can't take it is because it ramps up your internal body temperature by several degrees. Yuck. If you take a small, and by the way, absolutely do not take this. Obviously never take it. Uh, you know, rocking 103 or 105 degree fever for a week is not going to be good for you. Right. Uh, it has other side effects. It stains all of the soft tissues of your body. It stains them yellow because it is a, a phenol dye. Uh -huh. And so the whites of your eyes will turn yellow. All of your bodily secretions will be a deep staining yellow. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you have a permanent fever. And so people who have this end up having to just sit in front of a fan and take ice baths and stuff like that. It's really just fucking get on a treadmill, man. <laughs> but so there are compounds which can cause the reactions that generate and transmit energy within the body to become decoupled. And so you can have runaway metabolic reactions in your body. Mm -hmm. This is a known thing that can be induced with at least one known compound. In fact, if anybody were to take this, they would have the same thing happen. Right. So you have a mechanism for generating an immense amount of heat within the body. You could imagine that this might happen on its own. Uh -huh. Anyway, all I'm saying is... Uh, I think there are known pathways for the body to undergo strange reactions that might lead to something like eventually combustion in rare cases. Right. And we're talking, like you said, there's 200 known cases, but this has gone on for hundreds of years. Right. So this doesn't have to happen to a lot of people to be valid. Right. So what evidence do we have that it is true, that this is an accurate thing that happens? Um, there have been theories as to why these reactions occur. They say that it might be from methane. Yeah. Produced by gut bacteria, and it builds up, and then it's ignited by enzymes. But, like... Okay. Have you ever seen, like, cows are, like, the biggest methane producers, aren't they? Yeah. Uh -huh. Have you ever seen this happen to a cow? I haven't. 
I would be curious to know what enzymes would catalyze the combustion of methane. Right. At bodily temperature. Right. I'm not convinced. They also say that static electricity could build up on your body or occur because of geomagnetic sources and have that spark it off. Okay. Okay. Now, I could see static electricity as being an ignition source. Sure. But I'm just not sold on the idea that whatever is going on in the human body, yes, I will allow for the idea that the body produces methane and methane is flammable. The body produces, like, acetones that are flammable. The body produces all kinds of stuff that could be flammable. But I am not convinced that anything that is produced by the body is so flammable that it would get set off by a spark of static electricity and sustain enough that it would burn a person at thousands and thousands and thousands of degrees for long enough to combust the entire thing. That is what is unbelievable to me. There was a British biologist named Brian J. Ford who suggested in 2012 that it was a buildup of acetone in the body. And that could be caused by being alcoholic, etc., etc. Yeah, if you're if you're diabetic, you can go into ketoacidosis or right. ketosis. Right. And one of the common threads in a lot of the spontaneous human combustion victims is that they are alcoholics. Really? Yeah, but that doesn't mean anything because, you know, a lot of people I know are alcoholics. <laughs> Yeah, I know a lot of I know a fucking lot of alcoholics. Yeah. Being an alcoholic was a precursor to having spontaneous human combustion. There would be a lot more people going up in flames. Don't you think? Yeah, about 75% of all 40-year-olds. <laughs> right, right. Another reason why spontaneous human combustion victims don't just catch fire in another way is that, like I said before, usually when people catch on fire, they move. And these guys aren't moving around. And so obviously it's some kind of strange situation. The guy in the YouTube video I watched, it looked like under his arm, like along his side, was what caught fire first. And this was Pete from Vermont? It was some guy, his friend was named Pete. I forget what this guy's name was. Pete from Vermont sounds like what you say when somebody calls into your radio show. Pete from Vermont. (laughs) You're on the air. Go ahead. You caught fire. Right. His friend was named Pete. But he claimed that when he went to the doctor for this burn he got, the doctor was like, I've never seen anything like it. It, He was burning from the inside. The doctor made it sound like the burn was coming from the inside. Okay. Okay. So, uh, okay. So if you do have ketoacidosis, Mm -hmm. your urine is going to contain ketone bodies. Mm -hmm. You might be peeing acetone. Your feces are going to contain some acetone. Mm -hmm. And acetone is very volatile. But I'm not totally convinced that there would be enough of that to start something off. So I think one thing we've established is that everybody who caught fire, it was like in their house. All the modern people who this has happened to, they were in their house and they just, they found everything except their licks. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The guy in the Middle Ages, he was out walking around with his friends. He was not alone in his house. He's an outlier though. Yeah, right. And you know, reports of stuff that happened in the Middle Ages, it is fanciful. <laughs> this was uh, before the age of reason, we'll put it sure, that way. Sure, right, right, exactly. I feel like methane, acetone, so let's say that you blow the world's biggest worst fart. If you blow that right on a candle, is it going to ignite? Yes. I have seen people fart on stuff before. It just goes, whoosh, and that's it. Well, that's exactly what I'm saying is that... 
It may look voluminous, but in a gas, the particles are spread apart so far, and there's so little of it there mass-wise that if you fart on a candle, it goes whoosh, and that's that. Right. Even if you farted on a candle and the flame traveled up your butt, do you think that it would continue roasting you from the inside until you completely were combusted completely in nothing but a pile of ash and a tiny, teeny little skull? <laughs> I... <laughs> I, I think there's no oxygen inside the body. Right. And so, yeah, even if it went up your ass. And like the candle we were talking about before, where you've got the capillary action, you have enough of that going up into the air that it's sustaining that reaction. If you fart on a candle, you're going to have to have something right there that is flammable. So that small amount of heat you generate from that combustion is enough to push something else over the edge. Right. So all I can see is that people are... You know, maybe they're an alcoholic and they're passed out bad. I mean, that happens. Mm -hmm. You drink about 40 beers, you may pass out. Or you die beforehand. You're passed out, you die, you're there, your body is there, and now you are this dead collection of meat. Mm -hmm. You're somewhere else, you're gone. You're a dog now. You're a dog now, or uh, you might be an alien somewhere else. Baby alien. You might be a little tiny baby alien. <laughs> And we don't know. Maybe aliens start out huge and get smaller through their lifetimes. <laughs> There's no way you could be reborn as a fucking enormous alien. <laughs> but so you're laying there. You're not moving. You're not going to get up and run around unless you're Pete from Vermont. Yeah. And something has to happen to get you hot enough to sustain this reaction. There's gotta be something happening that maybe happens in a rare case that gets your body so fucking hot, and I'm talking about like enzymatic, metabolic, you know, I don't think anybody's got enough gut bacteria to start getting them really hot for days and days and days. Because right. when you're alive, you've got your gut bacteria, but that is epithelial tissue, which means that is tissue that is constantly regenerating. Mm -hmm. Just like the inside of your stomach, your intestines, that tissue is always generating new tissue and shedding old tissue because you've got living things that are kind of sitting in there consuming it and consuming your turds and stuff, right? right? I don't think anybody is gonna die and like within 12 hours, their gut bacteria will have gone so far out of control that the body would have caught on fire. Right, and well, in the case of Mary Reeser, her son had visited her at home the night before she died. He was there the evening she died talking to her. And the next morning she was dust in a little tiny skull. So <laughs> she was not left alone for long enough to be dead for long enough to have any kind of bacterial situation go haywire and start catching her on fire. Yeah, that's the only thing I can see is that you really would have had to let it go for quite some time in order right. to have like the, you know, the metabolic activity happening at a point that would get that hot. The other thing is that if this is biological, once you start getting above 140, 150 Fahrenheit, mm -hmm. you start denaturing proteins. When you denature proteins, any enzymatic or metabolic activity is going to stop. Right. The proteins 
are these long strings of amino acids and they're curled up in a certain way that produces an activity. Sure. When you denature them, they basically unravel. It's nothing, yeah. Uh -huh. And so all you've got is amino acids and like these unraveled strands, and so you're not gonna have this biological activity that could generate heat. Right, well one of the things I was thinking about is, you've heard about the people who get the condition that makes it so when they eat carbs, their body converts carbs to alcohol. Yeah, auto brewery syndrome, yeah. I mean, it's like maybe one of those guys could have something going on, but even then, man, there's just not enough, there's not enough fuel in the human body to have a fire that would burn hot enough to burn a human body. If you had an auto brewery syndrome, so let's say your your gut, your intestines get colonized by yeast. Mm -hmm. Think about when you're making moonshine and you get your corn mash going, you have to leave that sit for days and days. Right. And it's it takes quite a while before the alcohol starts really developing. You have to let it ferment. Uh -huh. If you're making beer, you got to let it ferment. Right. You're making wine, you got to let the grapes ferment. I can't think of anything that would be a fast and hot reaction. The only scenario I can think of is that it's like a one, two, three. Everything would have had to fall into place perfectly. There would have had to been the final beef. You know, when, you're, when your physical body dies and all your muscles relax and then you know, your body lets out its very last and longest and nastiest fart. Right. Just like the death fart. If you rip that right as like your arm drops and you've got a very cheap synthetic blanket and it sparks off and then it hits the edge of the blanket and the blanket catches on fire and then your human fat starts dripping off because you've started catching on fire. It would have to be like the perfect sequence of events in order it to happen. Even if that happened, even if it would burn down the other stuff in the room. That's the that's the whole deal with the fire is that it spreads. That's right. why people hate it so much. Right, right. So what evidence do we have that is not possible? Here's something that is in my notes that I hadn't brought up yet, which is a big a big party pooper of a <laughs> observation is that the human body is primarily composed of water. And so yeah. that's fighting against you too. Yeah, water is not flammable and it has a lot of thermal inertia. Right. And so it is difficult to combust in the absence of an external heat source. That's why when you throw a dead guy in the crematorium, you got to let him go for a while. Right. You got to let him just really All bake. That all that water has to boil off. Right, exactly. Spontaneous human combustion victims have historically been found near sources of fire. Although, given that most of them were found prior to the widespread use of household electricity, everyone would have been close to a source of fire at the time. So, of course they were close to a fire because it was the olden days. They were close to a fire, but then again, so was everyone. Right. But, again... Why didn't it spread to the rug? Why didn't it spread to the chair next to him? There's something so strange about the house not burning down because especially in those old cases, you know, straw mattress, and we're talking people in the 1800s sitting in some upholstered wooden chair. Like that sucker's going up if you look right, at it wrong. Right. All the clothes that they would wear back then were just whoosh, right? Oh yeah, linen, cotton, 
wool. Right. And you know they would have a basket of, of newspapers next to them. They would have a basket of knitting next to them. <laughs> All this stuff that would have just fucking fried. Everything prior to like 1940 was completely flammable at all times. Right. The last point I have is that Larry Arnold, the author of Ablaze, suggested that there was this subatomic particle called a pyrotron. <laughs> that could be responsible for human combustion, but that is not likely. No, it's uh, even if you believe in particles. A single particle being responsible for an extremely rare type of auto combustion of human beings, I think, is probably more far-fetched than any other aspect of this. Right, exactly. So let's talk about everything we've learned this evening and come to a conclusion, a personal conclusion. We don't have to agree. On a scale of 1 to 10, how likely do you think it is that people are actually combusting spontaneously? Before I answer, I'd like to say, if you're in the Discord, hop on in. I want to hear what you have to say. Let us know in the Discord. 1 being not real at all, 10 being absolutely, completely real. Let us know what you think about spontaneous human combustion. Is it real? Is it not real? If you're not in the Discord, patreon.com slash garbagebrainuniversity will get you in there. You know, I am personally gonna go with a five on this one. I'll tell you why. I know I just got done saying that for this to have happened, it would have had to be an extremely specific course of events. Mm -hmm. And that anything I can think of that would have caused a heat source to start this like runaway reaction, I'm not 100% sure that it constitutes spontaneous human combustion because really the implication is that it's somehow coming from inside your body. Right. Um, I'm not convinced that that is specifically possible. I do think that static electricity could be a cause. I do think that, uh, you know, having something unusual happen chemically, whether it's acetone or whether it's methane or, you know, somebody has something unusual happen that involves like their metabolism going haywire and stuff like that. Just because it's extremely rare with like 200 cases and several hundred years, that means that if it's an unlikely method that would have caused them to combust, then that matches the statistic, right. which is that it almost never happens. Right. The circumstances in which it happens are also really specific. And I can't think of any way in which somebody would be sitting in a chair and they would catch on fire from the fireplace and the chair would not burn. Right. There has to be something happening. I do think there's biological bases for someone having a runaway chemical reaction in their body, even though it's rare. So I'm gonna give it a fat five out of 10. I don't know that I accept any of the explanations I've heard. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I think that it probably has happened in a legit way at least a few times. Sure, sure. I'm going to give it a two. I'm good natured. I will admit I saw some photographs of feet on the floor. <laughs> I will admit I saw the photographs of the feet with the ash on the dirty carpet. It's true, right? But I don't understand how it would happen. One possibility that I neglected to mention until now is that the only way I could see this happening is if these people were really alcoholic, they were filled with ketones, they were the most flammable people in the world, and maybe there were UFOs and they could tell that they had a flammable one and they beamed them with the laser beam. Oh my god. Okay, so if we're talking about spontaneous human combustion in a world without aliens, I'm going to give it a two. If it could be aliens, then maybe I'll give it an eight. <laughs> 
something extraordinary interacting with these people because everything we know about the fire triangle and about the chemical processes that happen in a human body and with the amount of energy and heat you need in order to take a human body from being 100% whole to being a pile of ash not even a skeleton like this is a pile of ash everything is completely carbonized what we know that needs to happen for a person to have that occur is like so far outside of the bounds of what people were reporting like the rest of the room would have been destroyed everything in the room would have caught fire wouldn't have just been the dude i think that's why i'm kind of shooting down the middle on this one because one thing i always come back to is just because we can't nail down exactly what the reason is that something has happened. You can look at the evidence and everyone will agree that something really unusual happened. Right. The fact that there are no bones left is extremely strange. Nothing else being burned, extremely strange. I can't offer an explanation that I think makes sense in a material way. Right. What if these people were not spontaneously combusted maybe there was a report of a spontaneous human combustion in the news or in some kind of literature and people used it as a way of having an alibi for committing a murder maybe that dude who went and visited his mother before she combusted what if he killed his mom and went and buried her somewhere and then went into her home and left a grease spot and a pile of ash and a little tiny skull he found at the spirit halloween <laughs> The little tiny skull is the, the best part of this. I did not, I didn't see that in Ripley's. I've never heard of the little skull before. I'm, I think that factors into my Cinco because really <laughs> there's hardly anything else that happens on earth where you're left with nothing but a tiny skull. Right. I mean, if, if you're cooking people, their skulls explode or they just crack and stuff. They don't shrink. Well, we're going to have to talk about this at some point in the future because Natalie apparently knows a great deal about cooking human skulls. I'm morbid, what can I say? <laughs> but you know, before we go, I'd like to talk about our sponsors, Cory Grella. Imagine if you could protect your family from the possibility of you spontaneously combusting. Not only can you protect your family with great insurance, but you can get your insurance from the number one insurance agent in Alaska. Have you ever known anybody who is number one at anything? The only one we know is Cory Grilla. I can't think of anybody else I know who's even number one at, at horseshoes. Right. And so, you know, being the number one insurance agent, you know that she's got a lot more than you're used to when it comes to insurance agents. And she has really excellent taste in podcasts. She does. So if you want to make sure that your family's protected... In the case of you spontaneously combusting, however you choose to do it, we don't know how yet. Hit up Corey Grella and our other sponsor, Harlem Township. The most beautiful township in central Ohio, located east of the city proper in Delaware County. If you need to burn a body, <laughs> I'm just saying, they have unmarked graveyards in the woods. <laughs> you know what? If you were to pick a point where you were going to say, ouch, I'm on, <laughs> I'm on fire. Right. 
I would want to be on fire in Harlem Township because it's so wet. It's lush. It's always green. They have a large dam there. It's called Hoover Dam. Uh, Ohio is the master state when it comes to naming stuff after other stuff, as you can tell from Delaware County and Harlem Township. Right. Strangely, there's a small town uh, located near Harlem Township called Africa. They're just all, they're all over the place. They name everything after everything else. Right. Just be respectful. That's all it's about. Respecting Africa and Harlem. And Delaware. And Delaware. And so- so <laughs> I guess the next time you settle an unincorporated area in Ohio, spin the globe, land your finger on something and call it that. But until then, come out to Harlem Township. Enjoy your time well spent in a beautiful place. Sure. You love it. And if you haven't already, patreon.com slash garbage brain university. That's where you're going to get all the past garbage brain university episodes. You're going to get all the episodes of everything is real you haven't heard before. And you're going to get access to our discord community where you can say, yuck or yum to any particular idea you can tell us what you think about spontaneous human combustion we'd love it what if your grandmother spontaneously human combusted show up and tell us about it and we would love it we'd love to hear it thanks again for listening and everything is real i love you goodbye